listening to the Money Monopolizers Podcast, helping you take control of your financial destiny. It's about time that we invest more in our financial literacy and work towards building generational wealth. If you think you're ready to do the same, then you've come to the right place. Alex, Marlon, y'all ready? Let's get this bread. What's good, everybody? It's Alex Kamunya here. We are back with episode 26 of the Money Monopolizers podcast. And I'm here with my co-host, Marlon Walls. Marlon, how are you doing today, bro? Hey, bro, I'm doing pretty good, man. I'm glad to be out for the winter break from school. I'm glad just enjoying myself at home. So if, if uh, anybody's watching this on YouTube, y'all can tell we have a little bit different scenery right now. We're both in Houston currently, and we're uh, just really enjoying the holidays. So Merry Christmas. Um, Happy New Year's to everybody. Happy the holidays, whatever y'all celebrate. And I, I'm really excited for this episode, especially because we're going to be talking about well, talking to our peers primarily, especially people who are recent graduates or soon to be graduates, I think there's a lot of good stuff for y'all in here to take take from, especially considering the fact that there's a lot of different perspectives out in society about like as you graduate, people who want to live their best life. They they wonder if should they invest or what to invest in, and then especially like investing while in debt. I think we're going to tackle a lot of that today, and I think a lot of our listeners will be able to take away from that. And we're going to just try to keep, give our perspective and keep it objective. So we just spitting out yeah. facts here. How you doing, yeah, man? I think uh, I'm good. I'm good. Um, yeah, we in Houston, you know, just chilling um, to close out this year for the holidays. So uh, it's always good. We got a chance to check out the rental property while we out here. Um, that's going well. Appraisal came back higher than we wanted. So that's always good. Um, so, yeah, that's hopefully we're going to get that rented out. Started a new, new year and. Um, I'm closing on another rental property in San Antonio, uh, January 10th. So, you know, that's going to be <laughs> another good thing. Got some other ventures to start out the new year that uh, I'm super excited about. But, you know, we 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 got a lot going on <laughs> right now and especially to start the new year and really for the whole of 2020. Um, we're Big definitely trying to. Yeah, facts, facts. And, you know, we're. <laughs> there's so much that we're trying to do in 2020. I, I really, really think 2020 is going to be legendary um, for so many reasons. And I'm super excited, super, super excited for it. Um, especially with, you know, the podcast and all this, we have been putting out so much. We put out, you know, a lot of content this year and we definitely have felt like we've learned a lot along the way since, since we started this and how to, you know, put out better content and how to engage more with our audience and how to reach more people um so that that we're definitely gonna reap the fruits of that in 2020 and definitely get a lot of a lot of uh good content out to y'all too especially in 2020 you know we got a good slate of guests to start out the year um we got an interview this weekend that we're gonna use to close out this year and then um a good good slate of guests for 2020 so y'all be on the lookout for that keep supporting we appreciate everybody that's you know still sticking with us still rocking with us since we started this um, back in May, uh, we plan to, we ain't got no intention of stopping. So, you know, we're just going to keep it going. But other than that, um, yeah, let's get into this episode. Uh, like Marlon said, this episode is going to be targeted to those that are, you know, really people that are our age mates and also people that are in similar situations as us um, and just in life in general. You don't even have to be our age, but excuse me, this episode is like uh, more geared towards millennials, right? Those in their 20s and 30s. um, And those that are, you know, especially that just graduated school, um, that are getting ready to graduate school, those that are working their full-time jobs now, and, you know, they have some expendable uh, capital, you know, we're definitely going to be dropping bombs for y'all this episode. So y'all definitely stay on the lookout for that. Um, Yeah, so the first thing we really want to get into is, you know, talking about we talk about it all the time. We touch on it all the time. But, you know, when you're talking about investing in general, the first thing is always investing in yourself, right? An investment in yourself, that's the greatest investment you can make. There's no ROI. There's no investment you can make with a greater ROI than an investment in yourself. The first thing I kind of want to touch on is the E to E, right? E to E ratio. So I had mentioned this, I think, last episode. I had talked about E to E ratio a little bit, um, education, entertainment. And how that kind of looks. Um, e to E ratio, that's just the, you can look at it in dollars or in, in minutes or time, right? The amount of time or dollars you're spending towards education compared to um, 
entertainment. So I had mentioned the statistic last episode, but I think it was the average American's E to E ratio is 50 to 1, meaning for every $50 spent in entertainment, spending $1 on education, right? And you can even look at it in terms of, excuse me, in terms of minutes. It's similar. The value is similar. So you have to ask yourself, what are your dollars and your time going to? And you have to really evaluate and do a self-analysis on that, right? And, uh, a lot of people, you know, it, it's just not, con- it's, it's, it's a lot easier to sp- spend money and time on education than it is on, or sorry, on entertainment than it is education. And that's just something that, you know, if you, if you want to achieve certain things in life, that's something that you're going to have to change. Books, courses, and seminars, those are the things that you really want to be focusing on um, in terms of E to E. Um, and, and those are the things that are really going to help you grow and develop. And it's not to say you can't learn from social media or uh, YouTube or any of those other things. There's a bunch of different mediums to actually learn on, but you know, it just for that for that same you know purpose, these mediums can be used to for to waste time on. So you have to actually analyze which how you're using these kind of things, right? Because the thing about it is, once you stop learning, you stop growing completely. There's a misconception in life that education culminates with your formal education, which just isn't true. You have to literally, if you want to be successful at you know anything, you have to be a student for life. I read a statistic that said that 67% of people never read a book again after graduating from college. 67% <laughs> never read one book. That's crazy. I, I really, I really didn't want to believe it, but you know. They did. They they did a study on it, and that's what they found. But <laughs> you ha- that that is a I can't even imagine that because I'm such a big uh, adversary to stagnation and just not doing anything after you know <laughs> school and just being completely stagnant for the rest of your life. I couldn't imagine. Learning has to always be a part of your life, right? It, it, it's better to know how to learn than to know in general, right? Because <laughs> for me, I know personally because I don't just speak this and say like you know do this i you know i actually practice what i'm preaching right this year and just in the past couple months i spent twenty six hundred dollars on self-development in the past couple months and you know in the first quarter of 2020 i got already fifteen hundred dollars slated out for the courses and books that i'm going to be purchasing so uh, because i look at it like this right if the market crashes or your business fails or you know anything happens that's really out of your control you will always get a great ROI on investing in yourself. That is something nobody can ever take from you. The, the you know, the education or the, and the time spent on investing in yourself is something that can never be taken from you. So you had to put emphasis and value on that, right? Because if you if you seriously think about it, most wealthy people, not rich people, most wealthy people, they can lose all their money and pretty much gain it back pretty like relatively quickly. Right, because they have already developed the skills and the expertise to to make money, not just to just get money, right? Because making money is a skill, just like anything else. So once you get develop that expertise, you know people can take anything they want from you, but they can never take that skill away from you. And that's what that's what comes from the education and all of that kind of thing. Because we're in a unprecedented time right now, where like you can literally we talk about this all the time. You can literally learn anything you want at any moment. At any time, at the palm of your, at the tip of your fingers, you have literally any the answer to anything you want to know, and you gotta seriously ask yourself and evaluate how you're using those resources. Are you investing that time? Or are you wasting that time, right? Because believe it or not, there is a principle that is known as the compound effect. Right? Every little thing that you're doing, every little you know, no matter what it is, good or bad, it's compounding into your future ultimately right so you have to ask yourself are you or really have to look at it like this right everything that you do you're either getting one percent better or you're getting one percent worse or whatever percent right it's if exponential growth versus exponential decay we had just posted the graphic about it yesterday where we showed literally mathematically we proved you can prove that you get with one percent better every day put it in the equation you can go see the equation we put one percent better every day after three after one year, yeah, mm-hmm. three hundred sixty five days. Because the equation is three hundred sixty five based off three hundred sixty five days, you will literally see that you have gotten three thousand six hundred 
percent better mm-hmm. from where you were if you just got better one percent every day and that you know better is relative to whatever you want to apply it to we're not just talking about investing or business or whatever it's whatever you want to apply it to and it's the same thing conversely if you're getting worse what a value isn't the same but the same principle applies you it compounds to where you're getting <laughs> significantly worse if you're getting one percent work one percent worse every day small little things have a drastic effect on the big picture at the end of the day right in the beginning there's not much of a difference between one percent better or one percent worse but you know after that amount of time like i said it's going to be three thousand six hundred percent better than where you were a year ago if you got one percent better while if you got one percent worse you'll get 97 percent worse mm-hmm. 97% worse than where you were that's just based off the equation and like I said it applies to everything so you can you know it doesn't have to be just business or investing it can you can apply it to you know education too are you learning every day or are you becoming more ignorant every day are you, uh, nutrition are you eating well every day or are you eating you know trash every day are you eating bad every day unhealthy stuff exercise are you you know making the gym or are you skipping the gym relationships too are you making efforts to add value or are you just, you know, lacking? Are you not paying much attention to them? No matter what it is, you have to focus on getting 1% better every day, right? And it's not even like you have to find out, like, what is the new big thing that's out there that's <laughs> going to make me get 1% better. It's just focusing on the stuff that already works. And I think that's just that's nothing but being intentional, honestly. Like whatever you are focused on, just make sure that you are trying to get better at that every day. Alice gave a whole bunch of examples. But um, it reminded me of the post that you posted a while back because it was one of the posts on the Money Monopolizers page about the wasting time versus um, how to use like using time wisely. I forgot the exact title of it. But um, in the wasting time, they had things such as watching Netflix and also playing video games. And we got a few few people that were like backlashing on us for that. Like, oh, I, I agree with everything but the wasting time for Netflix and video games. Like, that's not wasting time. Well, so a lot of people's arguments is that it's not wasting time because it's allowing, allowing them to unwind and allow them to like um, relax from their long, stressful day or just be like have an overload from work, like work overload. So if I was doing too much at one time, I need to watch Netflix just to chill and like just to take a step back and relax. I agree with that. But I don't agree if you are doing this on a daily basis and saying, OK, uh, 6 p.m. is Netflix time. 6 to 10, that's Netflix. Monday through Friday, Monday through Sunday, matter of fact. Matter of fact, Saturday and Sunday is probably just all day binge watching. If you're binge watching Netflix or binge watching or binge uh, video games while you're in your early 20s and you haven't have a, a business or something like investing or doing something that's going to sustain you for a long haul, if you haven't got that established, it's considered wasting time. That's what we're trying to get, get to you. It's about the mindset that you have when you're first approaching like real life like we're talking to millennials so once you're first getting out of college you need to really be focusing on doing something that's going to allow you to be able to enjoy these luxuries i guess in a better sense so if you're doing all this stuff right now you're uh you're not going to be able to enjoy it to the uh, to your fullest capability later on like enjoy your life to your fullest capabilities later but it's all about being intentional trying to get that one percent better and uh watching what are you doing which what are you spending your time on if you're spending your time watching netflix every day you're getting one percent worse and that's just facts bro i'm not i can't really sugarcoat that and look we it's not to say like we out here just saying like we don't ever do that either or like we you know we're not just trying to be hypocrites or say like you should never watch TV or you should never mm-hmm. play video games or you should never do that. It's not about that, but it's about the habit and the pattern, right? Exactly. How does it look? What are you consistently doing, right? It's nothing wrong with doing it every once in a while. Um, I agree. Obviously, obviously, you know, you're not supposed to, you know, grind, 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 burn mm-hmm. out. And it's obviously you got to, you know, take some time off. But that's not, we're not saying that, right? You have to, bro, I'm going to be real. And this might hurt some feelings, but. If you are watching, you know, Netflix for, you know, you're getting off of work at five and you watching Netflix till, you know, 12 a.m., 10 p.m. or whatever the case all night, you ain't about nothing. <laughs> you're not about nothing. And it might hurt some feelings, but I'm being real. You're not about nothing. <laughs> what are you what are you what are you trying to accomplish? What is that going to help you accomplish? Like, honestly, my sanity. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, no. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to like antagonize or you know attack anyone i'm just 
I'm just being honest with you. <laughs> You're not getting nowhere with that. I promise. So you got to watch how you how you do, uh, how much time you're spending on these things. Right. Because at the end of the day, seriously, at the end of the day, all success is the, at the, the bottom line. Success is just a statistical event. Literally, it is a mathematical statistical event. If you show up every day, day in and day out and you do what you need to do and you do exactly what you know you're supposed to be doing. Right. There's no co- cognitive dissonance there. You know exactly what you're supposed to be doing, and you're doing that. <laughs> you are going to become successful. Seriously, if I'm if I'm a if I'm a, uh, and I can because I can relate it well to like pro sports, right? Because I'm a big Kobe Bryant fan. Kobe is like, you know, his work ethic. If you know anything about Kobe, Kobe Bryant, his work ethic is the most ridiculous I've ever seen. Right, and. One of the things that he says all the time is literally all he has, all he does is show up. It's just showing up (laughs) and putting in work because over time, while other people are not putting in that same amount of work and you're putting in that work, what's going to happen? Like I just mentioned, it's going to compound. They compound on each other. It's not linear. It's exponential growth. It compounds. You get better this day. You get a little bit better this day. You get a little bit and you're building off of something every day. So after a while, you're going to look back. And you'll see how much better you are than, or how much further along you are than a lot of people. Seriously. And you can look at the same in business, right? If you put in, I'm not advocating to do this because I don't do this. But if you're putting in 80 hours a week on your, like, let's say you got a full-time job, 40 hours, and you coming home and you putting in another 40 hours in a week on your business, while that same person that's trying to achieve the same thing is putting in, you know, 40 hours a week at work. And then they coming home and putting in, you know, an hour or a day on their business. I can get you after a year, after one year, that person that was putting in 80 hours is going to be a lot further along. And look, I'm, I'm going to say this because there was that post that came out a little while back that <laughs> they was, a, they was attacking an old girl because she said she was working 60, 80 hours a week on her business while she was in her 20 or she was working 60, 80 hours a week in general. I'm not telling nobody to go work 80 hours for somebody else. <laughs> I would never, ever tell you to go work 80 hours for somebody else. You need to take 20 of those or 40 of those hours and put them towards your business, right? Mind your own business, not nobody else's, right? So that's, what it, that's all it is at the end of the day. Half of the battle is just showing up, showing up every day to learn new things, showing up every day to eat healthy, showing up every day to work out, showing up every day to whatever it is you're trying to improve at. It's just showing up every day. That's half the battle. There was a quote by uh, Teddy Roosevelt, and um, he said, uh, I, think, I think he said, in any moment of decision, the best thing you can do is the right thing. The next best thing you can do is the wrong thing, and the worst thing you can do is nothing. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you know, take that for what you think it is, but at the end of the day, just show up. That's nothing but taking action, honestly, bro. So, uh, you, you got me thinking about that Kobe example. So, Take Kobe. He played 20 years in the league. We we gave an example of one year that if you're doing that, get a one percent better every uh, day, you eventually increase by 36 hundred uh, percent at the end, by the end of that year. That that compounds even more as you increase the number of years. Like if we had if we put that over the 20 year span that Kobe played, this is why he was considered one of the greatest now because he kept on getting that one percent better every day, every day uh, consistently throughout the course of his entire NBA career. And that's the good thing about like being at this age, you can take advantage of compound interest and the the fact that you know you have the whole lifespan to compound your success and your efforts every day, right? So you have a lot uh, higher chance of becoming successful the earlier you start, the earlier you start that mentality of you know working, right? So seriously, consider that and look at what you're doing every day and see if it aligns with what you want to achieve in life. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what we wanted to talk about with um, investing in yourself in terms of investing in yourself. Now, the, the next thing we kind of want to touch on is something that's really big with millennials, especially when they graduate school, is um, paying down debt or investing and whether you should be what, which one you should be doing. Right. Um, in reality, like if I'm being completely honest, every situation is different. So I can't you know, there's no monolithic advice I can give to to say that 
you should be doing this or you should be doing that and when it comes to investing or paying down debt. It really depends on your situation. It depends on a bunch of things. It depends on you know the type of debt you have, the interest rate on the debt, your spending habits, right? How likely are you to actually gain more debt? Um, and even, you know, it, when I say investing too, I'm not necessarily saying going and buy real estate or investing in stocks or going start a business. I'm saying anything like you know, a 401k, that's considered investing too. A lot of, you have to ask yourself, you know, when you graduate, should I be contributing to my 401k or should I be uh, paying down my student loan debt? That's a question that you have to ask yourself, right? And like I said, at the end of the day, it, 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 every situation is different. But I think you have, there's a few questions you have to ask yourself first to kind of pick, to kind of decide what it is for you, right? The first thing you should ask yourself, and this is before you know you do anything, is what are your goals? What do you want to achieve? Because you know, if you're like me and your goal is early financial freedom, then I'm going to recommend that you pay down that debt as fast as possible because that debt is going to inhibit you from having access to capital that you will need to invest, right? But conversely, if you are okay with retiring at age 65, then slowing down, slowing, slowly paying down debt is, you know, going to be probably a little more advantageous while you invest more in your 401k or your Roth or whatever. That's probably more applicable for you. So it, that's one question you should ask yourself before actually kind of making that decision. I think it really depends on what your goals are because it's not, if I told you to, <laughs> to do this and your goal was to, you know, they do this thing, then that's not good advice that I'm giving. And this is coming from somebody who has written down goals since 2010. I want you to, everybody, when you are making goals for yourself, you need to really sit down and evaluate your short, mid and long term goals that you have, because there's there are stages that you can that you it's like stepping stones almost that you can go through. So short term goals may be monthly, may be daily, could be yearly. But um, you should have a, a list of short term goals, mid term and long term. Write them down, be descriptive and make it plain. Like you can write them down and plaster them on a wall. I know I talked about a vi vision board a few times. This can either be a vision board where it's either a dialogue, or I guess it's text or it can be pictures. Write down your goals and, and just like make sure you can always see them. And don't always don't settle for what's easily easily obtainable. That can be your short term goals, like something that you think you can get within like a year or within a couple months. But I especially with these long-term goals these need to be like big goals that you have for yourself like what do you what do you truly want to do in your lifetime like before you before the day you die what do you what are your goals and aspirations you need to sit down and think about those because without without that vision you're not going to really be going for anything it's like if you are traveling somewhere and you have no plan on where you're going to get it's going to probably i mean if you have no destination no, no plan in mind you're going to just end up anywhere and if you're uh, taking on a journey without a plan in mind you're pretty much going nowhere and you just don't care where you're going to end up at and you probably won't hit you probably won't hit where you actually intend on hitting it in the first place and um i heard a quote one time it was saying uh, the problem isn't that you set goals too big and miss them the problem is that you set them too small and achieve them and what that's doing is giving you a false sense, a sense of security. That's basically saying, oh, I've attained my I've attained the goals that I've set for myself. And that's not saying that you shouldn't set the small goals. That's what the short term goals are for. But without a goal in mind, you're going to just become complacent and then just begin, begin to stagnate. This is why people don't read after they have graduated college or graduated high school or whatever, because they say, hey, I've hit the pinnacle of what I wanted to do in life. I got this job. Now I'm done with as far as getting better. And so that's why I always say set short, medium and long term goals. So always have you have something that you're reaching for to continue to, to progress, get that one percent better and understand. Also, the size of your goals will be dictated by your ambition level. So your tolerance level for taking risk as well, because like Alex and I, if you plan on retiring early, it's going to require bigger goals. And those don't have to be your short and midterm goals as opposed as opposed to your long term goals, because in order to retire early, it takes a drastic change or drastic difference in comparison to what somebody else is doing who's trying to retire at age 65. Yeah, that's true. I think another question, sorry, another question that you should, you know, ask yourself in order to answer the question of whether you should pay debt or invest is how old are you? Um, well, it's not asking yourself, but it's to analyze how old you are and what kind of situation you're in, right? And then also that's based off your goals too. But I think personally, if you're a millennial, and, or I guess if you're a younger millennial, you know, 
you should definitely really be focused on doing both. Um, and when I say that, I mean any extra money that you be that you're getting should be going towards paying down debt and investing. Because, like I said, when the earlier you start doing anything, the more you're going to reap out of it. The more advantageous it will be because you can take advantage of the compound effect, whether it's investing or whether that's whatever it is. It's compound interest, compound uh, you know, habits, all of that compounds to something greater. So the younger you start, the more, um, the more you'll, 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 you'll see out of that. So, you know, in order to be putting any extra money that you are getting to investing or paying down debt or, or, and paying down debt, you have to really be on a strict budget for yourself because, you know, when, whenever you're, <clears throat> trying to uh invest or pay down debt <laughs> and you're not budgeting you're not it's very unlikely that you're going to successfully do that because any extra money you're getting especially if it's like minimal amounts like let's say you get a hundred you at the end of the month you find out you have a hundred extra dollars you're gonna subconsciously tell yourself wow oh, uh, i mean it won't hurt if i just go buy these shoes or if i just go do this with this extra money instead of saving it to invest because it's such a minuscule amount but have you had you or minuscule to you in your mind but had you put that aside already in a budget you would already you know have you're pretty much telling when you when you set a budget you're pretty much already allocating where your money's going to go to before you even have it and that's like the best way to make yourself stick to something or keep yourself accountable when it comes to uh paying down debt and also saving to invest you have to Put yourself on a budget and allocate how much you want to go towards that based off of what your other expenses look like, right? So, like I said, if you're younger, that's kind of how you should be approaching it. The more the younger you are, the more time you have to take advantage of it. And that's why I say you should be doing both, right? You have to focus on paying down that debt, but you also have to put emphasis on investing. So, and that's look, this is coming from the perspective of people that <laughs> are trying to, you know, achieve financial freedom you know, by age 28 for me personally. So uh, it's probably not the thing that everybody wants to hear, especially if you want to like live comfortably um, when, you, when you're young. But, you know, if that's something that you want to achieve, that's kind of the mindset that you have to look at it as. You have to really just delay gratification. That's what it really is. Mm -hmm. And I do want to highlight, um, this is, it goes back to being intentional, what you are, are, everything that you're saying, like creating a strict budget for yourself. And I think it also, just understanding that it doesn't matter what your age is, you can always, you can always obtain more, you can always invest in, I mean, you can do anything that anybody else is doing in, in this world, especially with technology that we have today, that, that we have endless capabilities of gaining educational knowledge and just being able to do what other people have been doing for uh, centuries now. But um, I do want to talk about uh, subtleties in society that like are trying to make it seem like investing is unobtainable for millennials or anybody who's like of our age. Like um, I saw, you, you actually mentioned this to me a while back about a monopoly of the game. So, yeah. you know, monopoly is tradition, traditionally like a real estate type um board game where you just where you're buying houses and you're uh, buying hotels and putting them on land and then you're collecting like i mean you're collecting uh, payments for people who are on your land I mean, that's just a simple board game but they actually made a monopoly for millennials game where the caption says forget real estate you can't afford it anyway and that they're talking to millennials and basically trying to condition their minds to say hey real estate isn't even for you don't even worry, don't even worry about looking at it like real estate that's for the big dogs that's for the, the rich um that's that's for like the wealthy people they're already well off you can't even afford it so they're trying to condition you to not even think of real estate think you can even invest in real estate so you gotta really be paying attention to like these things in society that's trying to tell you that you can't do it because it's very possible we're doing it it's a very thing it's something that's very obtainable if you are researching it if you're educating yourself and then actually going out and executing it yeah Facts. Y'all have to really understand that in order to do things that other people aren't going to be able to do, you have to think differently from those kind of people, right? Because it's that's why I, and we're going to kind of get into it, but that's why I, I'm a big, you know, adversary to traditional retirement accounts. Because for me, you know, if I want to retire <laughs> in five years, I can't be putting my money in, in, in the places that most people are putting them in. So you have to get away from that societal norm and that societal conditioning that 
goes that takes place and all that group think out there. You have to seriously like stray away from it because it's going to really affect you and it's going to really affect your future. So you can't listen to none of that stuff. Don't listen to none of that stuff. So it's a good point. Um, I think uh, a couple other questions that you should ask yourself really um, to answer the question about paying down uh, debt or investing is, you know, do you know what you're doing? Like, as obvious as it may sound, do you know what you're doing? Do you know how to invest? Do you have uh, financial literacy when it comes to investing, right? Because, you know, at the end of the day, if you don't know how to invest and you don't really have any interest in learning, <laughs> pay down the debt. Pay down the debt. <laughs> because you, you're not doing yourself any justice. The, investing is not nothing you just hop into because you saw a, a video on YouTube or you, you bought a $10 ebook on off of Instagram and you saw somebody made $100,000 in the stock market or $100,000 wholesale in real estate. No. It don't come like it don't go like that. It, it, it's you have to literally put the time in to learn how to do this. And you don't have if you don't have that interest in doing that, it's not for you. I'm gonna just be real. It's not for you. <laughs> Seriously. So you had to. That's part of the. That's you know. It, it sounds obvious, but that's something you got to ask yourself. Another question is: Do you actually have enough money to invest? Right? How much do you? How much you know? Are you willing to invest? And before actually investing, you have to. Uh, evaluate your situation too do you actually do you have enough money in savings for an emergency do you have your emergency fund can you live let's say you lost your job can you live for three months without any income you have enough saved up to live for three months without any income right because at the end of the day like i said 401k is investing earlier right and if you had money in your 401k and you need to pull it out for any reason then that's disadvantageous because it's going to cost you more than if you had just saved it. Because when you pull out money out of a 401k before age 59 and a half, you're going to pay the taxes on it and you're going to pay the early withdrawal penalty. <laughs> so, you know, that's not really advantageous. <laughs> so you before even trying to invest in your 401k, you need to make sure you got your emergency fund. So, yeah, I definitely um, suggest not just hopping straight in, but there are people who do have a higher risk tolerance than others. And I do. I think that's going to be a good, a good for like a last question yeah. as far as it, it trying to invest yeah. or paying down debt first is what is your risk tolerance? Because understand that doing both at the same time, investing and paying down debt is going to create a very sh like a extreme shortage in capital that you have because you're spending a lot of money at one time trying to do both at the same time. So even though it's more risky to do um, what well, it's, it's uh, it's more risky like to invest while you're paying down debt. I'm not going to really say it's risky. It's just, it can be mitigated, though. Like uh, it can be mitigated as long as you are educating yourself and accounting for these things like very uh, not really variable expenses. But if you're accounting for your emergency fund, like being able to live off of three months of expenses, things like that are, are going to allow you to mitigate um, the risk, the risk that, that will be involved. And another way to mitigate it is through education. Like if you're educating yourself on how to invest correctly, you can uh, make sure that you're not losing money during the process. You're actually gaining money that's going to be able to help you pay down your debt. And um, I do want to say that if when you're educating yourself, you need to be able to choose your mentors wisely. I think we talked about this before. I know we talked about it at the um, at the conference that we spoke at, but I, I want to reemphasize it. So when you're choosing a mentor, some understand that everybody, every mentor has a target audience. So they're going to be educating you based off of what they feel is uh, good for their target audience. So like comparing Dave Ramsey to Robert Kiyosaki, Dave Ramsey, he is a big proponent of paying down your debt. So if he's uh, being asked this question, should you pay down debt or invest first? He's going to say pay down every last dime of debt. Don't touch investing until after you're done paying down your debt. And. While that it may be good advice for some people, that that's also the pinnacle of where, um, of like where his education is. So, like at the, once you have paid down your debt, he has this thing called the debt free scream, where uh, you basically say we're debt free. You scream it like to the heavens, like you're just proud to say I'm debt free. But that's like the that's like the top of the pyramid. So you were you start off in extreme debt, you paid it down, and now you're debt free. But your education piece ends there. Like he doesn't teach you how to invest afterwards. Whereas Robert Kiyosaki. He would tell you to you should be investing as much as possible early on if you could, because his ultimate goal is financial freedom.
So in order to obtain financial freedom, you have to invest. Like Alex says all the time, you're not going to become wealthy from your um, W-2 employee, employee job. You're, it's not. It's kind of just not feasible in order to, to get paid a salary and become wealthy, especially not at an early age for that, for that, for that matter. So that's why I want to keep on reemphasizing, choose your mentors wisely, because education is important, but your mentor who educates you is also important. Yeah, definitely. And that, all of that, it goes back to what your goals are, right? Because it's not, I'm not, we're not sitting here trying to say you should or shouldn't be listening to Dave Ramsey or Robert Kiyosaki. It depends what your goal is. Like, if mm -hmm. your goal is to just be debt free, then Dave Ramsey is very well an applicable person that you should be, you know, listening to or taking advice from. And conversely, if your goal is to be financially independent by the time you are 30, whatever age years old, then Robert Kiyosaki is a um, suitable uh, mentor for you or a exactly. suitable person to listen to. So it's just analyze your situation and uh, kind of take it from there. Um, but really, you know, at the end of the day, like, <laughs> if, like I said, if you don't know how to do it, just notice that paying down debt is a guaranteed return on your investment, right? Because if you have debt at six, seven, eight percent interest and you pay it off, you're guaranteed to now be making six, seven, eight percent interest because money saved is money earned. Right. Because you'd have to give it away anyway. So if you get to keep it, you're earning it. So understand that it's all it's never nothing wrong with paying down debt. That's never the wrong answer. Right. <laughs> now, like I said earlier, Teddy Roosevelt, the, the best thing you can do is you know, the right thing. The next best thing you can do is the wrong thing. And the worst thing you can do is nothing. Mm -hmm. Don't let the debt sit there and don't just not invest. <laughs> so make sure you're taking some sort of action, do something right. Cause like I said, it, it's going to compound and you're going to see, you're going to feel the effects of it no matter what you choose. So at least do something. <laughs> so that's, that, that's kind of how I would answer that question. Cause I've gotten asked that question a lot, really. From a lot of people about whether they should pay down or invest and it's it's a it's a it's a, a worthy question to ask i want to like talk about a couple things that are in more so regards to lifestyle right but because i think you know these are kind of things that affect um your life as a millennial so i think it's worthy to talk about them um, and the biggest thing i want to talk about is lifestyle inflation lifestyle inflation just real quickly is the fact that, you know, as soon as you graduate from school and, uh, you know, start making money, now you want to go upgrade your life. Now you was living on, you know, rice and beans. Now you want to eat steak and caviar or you was, you know, <laughs> living off of your first car. But now you want to go get the, uh, you know, the brand new whip. So or you was living with roommates and now you want to go get the high rise downtown. I'm not saying nobody should do these things. My whole thing about it, like, I don't, I'm not opposed to people having, like, nice things. I just don't want the nice things to have you. That's the <laughs> thing. Because it's a difference between you owning the things and the things owning you. I want you to be able to own those things outright, right? I, I'm still driving the same car that I was driving since 16 years old. Yes, <laughs> and I'm not saying, I'm not saying that to flex or I'm not saying that to brag or nothing. I'm just saying that's my mindset with it. I, I'm going to drive that car for a couple more years because, number one, I want my new car to be paid for with passive income. And number two, this car is still driving good. <laughs> I was just talking about this. I was like, dang, this car this car been... You know, treat you well, ain't it? <laughs> for, the, for the past uh, damn near 10 years. Mm -hmm. So, I'm like, I'm going I, I, I'm to I'm I'm hold off a little bit. A little mindset, man. Your example started reminding me of my cousin. He, he uh, was eating McDonald's gladly, but as soon as that paycheck started coming in, he needs soul food only. McDonald's can't cut it no more. But no, it's, honestly, think about it as opportunity costs. Because if you have a goal, if you have your goals written down and in, in, in mind, these uh, liabilities or these expenses that you're spending your money on, like this in income creep that you're having, it wouldn't make sense because what which, what it's doing is delaying you from getting to your goals ultimately. Because if you keep on spending money on all of these luxuries just of life, you're 
delaying how fast you obtain your goal. So if your goal, I mean, speaking to this people, people who are trying to retire early, especially if your goal is to retire early, you can't just you can't afford to keep buying brand new cars, getting bigger houses every year or just spending money on trips and stuff like that all the time, because what you're doing is delaying yourself from getting to your ultimate goal for people. Even if you're trying to retire at like age 65, you're still you probably not, not able to contribute as much to your 401k or to whatever investment vehicle you're trying to contribute to because you're just spending all your money on these other expenses. So it's just about being mindful of where your money is going and just uh, evaluating those opportunity costs. Facts, facts. And I think one, it wouldn't do justice if we didn't real quick talk about house hacking, right? Because house hacking is, I think it ties into both these kind of little subtopics because I mean, we're talking about investing as a millennial, and I'm talking about avoiding lifestyle inflation, right? And house hacking is a investment strategy and also a great way to avoid lifestyle inflation. It's actually lifestyle deflation while you still reap the benefits of lifestyle inflation. So <laughs> it, it, it's a great strategy kind of for that, right? Because there, there's a great ROI to be had when you house hack and why the reason I think is it a great it is a great investment strategy is because it can significantly increase your net worth fast without you putting really any money towards it besides a few startup costs right real quick if y'all don't know house hacking is pretty much where you uh buy a primary residence a duplex triplex fourplex or a single family and you live in one unit or one bedroom and you rent out the rest mm-hmm. real quick that's just what it is if y'all haven't heard us talk about it eight million times already so so let's say that you you know you want you find a two hundred thousand dollar duplex right that you're gonna buy with an fha loan so the down payment is three and a half percent which is seven thousand dollars if y'all didn't know y'all can also use the down payment assistance to pay your entire down payment y'all go to bank of america look on their website they have a program where they will cover your entire down payment and up to eleven thousand dollars of your closing costs you can literally get a house hack for no money. So the the example I'm going to illustrate could literally be even better. But for the purposes of just keeping it simple, let's just say that your down payment is seven thousand, right? And the closing cost is another six thousand. So you know you need thirteen thousand dollars all in. That's what you need to buy this house. So let's say you know the duplex, the mortgage on it after you buy it is twelve hundred dollars, and you're going to uh, put a hundred dollars towards savings or reserves for any ex- expenditures or future inco- uh, expenses. And your income is going to be 1500 from the other side. So you live on one side and you get 1500 from the other side. Now, let's calculate how much what your return on that investment is actually going to be, right? Because the return on investment is more than just what your cash flow is um, and what you're making from cash flow, right? You have to first look at the rent savings. Right. So let's say you were living in an apartment for a thousand bucks and now you're house hacking and living for free. Matter of fact, you're making technically three hundred dollars, but now you get to save that thousand dollars. So if we add that cash flow plus rent savings, you get twelve hundred dollars because you get fifteen hundred uh, subtract the mortgage and the reserves which was 1300 so that gives you 200 and then you add the rent savings per month which cuz now you're not living in an apartment you save a thousand bucks so now your cash flow plus your rent savings is $1200 a month the loan let's just say the amortization schedule says that after 1 year the loan we pay down $4000 right and let's say that it's going to appreciate 2% after 1 year so that's another $4000 so in 1 year you are going to have a net worth gain of, let's take your 1200 times 12, add that to your 4000 from uh, your loan pay down and your 4000 from appreciation. You're going to have a net worth gain of $22,000 just in one year. So your ROI on the money you spent, which is 13000 it's going to be 22000 divided by 13000 is 172% cash flow return on investment. That is your ROI. So you literally did that just because you moved somewhere else from where you were originally living. You were living in a $1,000 apartment. You moved to a duplex now. And now you just increase your net worth by $22,000. Literally just by the place you live. So 
That is a great investment strategy that I think every millennial should be taking advantage of. This is something you should be doing literally every year. Like even if you don't want to be financially free, this is a great strategy you should be taking advantage of every year because it's going to give you disposable income. Now you move out and you rent out your side. Now you're cash flowing. You're going to have assets to pay for your liabilities. All right, assets over life. I'm not, I can preach that to them purple <laughs> face, but you know this is the number one way that you should be that you can build wealth in your twenties. Seriously, there's nothing better than this. I promise. That entire example Alex just gave, I don't want anybody to feel like it was too complicated. I want y'all to just take away the big picture. You're basically allowing somebody else to pay down your largest monthly expense, which is your housing expense. But the big takeaway is that instead of um, losing $12,000 over the course of one year in rent money, you're actually gaining an um, overall net worth gain of $22,400. And that's a difference of $3,400 if you add, add in that 12000 that you would have lost by renting. And that's just that's the difference that you can get just from house hacking versus uh, paying somebody else in your, and rent money that you never see again. That rent doesn't uh, create anything for you. Like it doesn't build um, equity. It doesn't allow for appreciation. Nothing happens from you sp uh, spending your money on rent. You don't no, no, there's no benefit towards you, at least. There's a great benefit for the landlord, not for you. But yeah, we I, I didn't want to get too much into that. I think I do want as we wrap this up, because I know it's getting a little longer than what we wanted it to be, but I do want to make sure we touch on everything that uh, we wanted to. But I think that the, some other investment strategies that you should definitely be taking advantage of is, say this reluctantly, <laughs> like is your 401k contribution. So I, I, I'm not going to get too, you know, too much into, you know, my personal views on the 401k. I talked about that in episode eight. You can go listen to that. And if you want to hear more so what I think about 401k. But, uh, you know, in short, I will just say that if your goal is not to achieve early financial freedom, then this is a good investment for you, right? You should at least be contributing uh, what they are matching because usually that's, you know, up to 6%. Usually they match up to 6%. And I think every millennial should be contributing to that. If you already, you know, I talked about earlier, if you've evaluated your goals and you figured out what your goals are and you know that, uh you know, investing in your 401k is is going to be helping you achieve your goals, then you should at least be contributing up to what they're matching, which is typically 6%, right? Because, well, just for example, if there's, let's say you had a $50,000 salary, right? Just to illustrate what I mean by 6% match, because I know a lot of people don't know actually what that means. But let's say you had a 50k salary, right? And your you as an employee, you contribute 6% of your salary, because they're going to match up to 6%. So you contribute 6% of your salary, which is $3,000. And let's say the, the employer says they'll match 100%. So they're going to match to your 3K with their 3K. So you'll have $6,000 after one year, right? Mm -hmm. So that's essentially what that means. Some employers might only go up to 50%. And so they would only put in 1500 of your 3000 So that would put you at 4500 But they're still going to match you know something so you should always be contributing up to that match so if it's six percent match or contribute to that if it's eight percent contribute to that don't don't I, I don't personally do it because you know that's my goal is not to kind of live that kind of lifestyle which i'm not going to get too much into but this is what you should be doing if your goal is to someday retire right that's what you should be doing which I would hope for everyone your goal is to retire someday and you don't want to work until you're dead. But, you know, that's kind of what you should be doing. The, the Real quick, too, the contribution limit for 2019 is $19,000. So that's the most you could actually contribute to your uh, 401k. So that's one thing you should be doing. Another thing that I think is would be very advantageous is to get a Roth IRA, a Roth IRA and max that out. Roth IRA is a essentially an individual retirement account where your contributions are made with after-tax dollars instead of uh, pre-tax dollars. So any contributions you make, you can withdraw without tax penalty because you already paid taxes on it up front, right? So the regular IRA or 401k, what happens is you pay taxes when you withdraw money because the contributions were made with pre-tax dollars. So when you withdraw, <laughs> then you have to pay taxes on it, obviously, right? I always hear a lot, I always... Um, see the question posed of which one should I be investing in 401k or sorry IRA or Roth IRA 
or a traditional uh, retirement account or, you know, a Roth retirement account. Um, and I think really, <clears throat> to me, in my opinion, the Roth is better. Um, but I think it mainly depends on what your age is, right? For someone that's younger, a Roth is definitely better for you because your tax bracket is going to most likely rise by the time you reach age 59 and a half, which is when you can actually withdraw it without 10% penalty. So if your tax bracket is going to be higher in the future, when you withdraw, you're going to pay more taxes than had you just paid the taxes up front. So a Roth typically is better for that reason. Um, a lot of people kind of like try to, you know, say the fact that, you know, taxes do generally rise with history. So it's always better to do a Roth. Um, but you know, you never know. It's just something that you have to kind of look at in your situation. I would recommend the Roth for most people. Um, if you want to do that, just know that the IRS only allows you to contribute up to $6,000 a year to a Roth IRA because it is, uh, such a, I think a person, I think personally, I think it's a great uh, investment tool because the contributions are with post-tax dollars and the IRS knows that. So they put a $6,000 limit mm -hmm. on you. Um, so that's, you know, don't think you're going to get one up on them, but it's still good for that reason alone. Cause I mean, if you just, you know, if you look, take someone that's like 22 years old, right. And they're putting $500 a month away at, in a Roth account at 6%. By the time they're 65 years old, that, that Roth account is going to have 1.5 million. So that's a good investment vehicle for someone that wants to retire at age 65. Now there's a caveat to that. $1.5 million of purchasing power in 40 years is not what purchasing power is today, right? Mm -hmm. So $1.5 million in 40 years is not what $1.5 million is in 2019, right? Because let's just assume that there's 3% inflation, right? $1.5 million is only going to have $500,000 worth of purchasing power in 40 years, in 2059 or 2060. So in order to have that same amount of purchasing power, you would need that account to grow to $5 million to have $1.5 million of purchasing power, which if you do the back calculations would require a $25,000 yearly contribution. That's just your contribution, not even your earnings. $25,000 yearly contribution when the IRS limit is 6,000, exactly. right? So that's, <laughs> that's like one reason I don't really like the traditional retirement methods because I'm big on control. If y'all know me, y'all know I'm big on controlling all my investments and my whole life. <laughs> so I see how Marlon's looking. But, <laughs> you know, that's just how I am. So with a, with a traditional retirement method, I don't have any control over that inflation. So for me, to, to invest like that is not practical for me. And that's one reason of many that I don't invest in my 401k or, my, uh, or any Roth accounts right, right now, at least. Um, and I don't foresee it really changing. I might look into, I'm going to look into the Roth mixture, but as far as like a 401k, nah, probably not going to happen. But it's, I think one, you know, last thing to mention real quick about that is that the tax-free withdrawals, like, because I said the Roth is, you only, you don't pay taxes on your withdrawals. It's only on the amount you contributed. It's not on the earnings. So you still will pay taxes on your earnings, right? So really any, any earnings you withdraw are going to be penalized really twice because if you take it out before you're 59 and a half, you're going to pay the 10% on it and you're going to pay the taxes on the earnings. So you can really only take out your contributions, which at that point it might just be like, okay, well, I might as well put this in a CD. So, but you know, uh, you, you, you at least get to take advantage of the, the compounding interest. So it's really like a, you have to look at your situation. I just want to give you all the information to make a, <laughs> Uh, a good a good choice i guess so that's one what's one thing i think was important to mention i can't emphasize enough how important education is in all of this because even um roth iras and 401ks are both investment strategies just like um investing in real estate stocks bonds whatever it may be and uh some stuff like like alex just mentioned with getting a uh, tax penalty on the uh on the gains that you make in the, your roth ira account i didn't even know about that and um that's something that how'd you learn about that i'm just just curious but you know me you know i'm always researching stuff exactly now, <laughs> were you told that at your job about the tax penalty on the gains like were, the person who originally told you about the roth ira which is probably your job where did they tell you something about that 
Well, it was myself, but okay. they didn't tell me. <laughs> My point exactly is that you are researching this in order to understand where your money is going and how it's going to uh, basically benefit you once you try to extract it or once you are trying to utilize it. What, what money are you going to be? What money are you going to have available to you once you're trying to extract your money? And that's. I mean, that all comes with education because honestly, people are not going to tell you this stuff. I guarantee you, there's people that, that are contributing to their Roth IRA and their 401k or one or the other, and they don't know that what Alex just told them about the tax penalties on the gains that they try to extract early. And that's, I mean, that comes with the education piece. And that's why I'm just, that's why we preach education so much because there's a lot of loopholes. I'm not going to say really loopholes, but there's a lot of things that you wouldn't know. And ignorance is not bliss in this case. Like, they're not going to tell you this stuff and just like as a forewarning, they're going to just do it regardless. <laughs> it's something that you have to really take serious. If, bro, that's why I say, bro, this just for you don't just hop into this stuff, bro. This is, we talking, we talking money, bro. If, I don't know how, I don't know about y'all, but I'm very. I am very particular about where my money goes. So I need to know exactly what's going on. If I'm putting my money in an account, I need to know exactly all the rules associated, all the risks associated. So education, 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 education before compensation. So, um, and real quick, as we wrap this up, I think I do want to give a financial freedom perspective real quick, um, just on kind of, uh, some other investment strategies that you could be taking advantage of if you want to achieve financial freedom. Because look, I say it all the time. I've probably said it three times this episode. If you want to achieve what others won't achieve, you can't be doing things that other people are doing right now, right? I can't be investing how others are investing if I want to be financially free. So I can't be contributing to a 401k if I want to be financially free by age 28. That ain't going to help me. 10% penalty but before... Uh, age 59 and a half is not going to help me achieve financial freedom by <laughs> 28. So I have to know I need to take more risk. And that's what you have to do if you want to achieve financial freedom. You have to take more risks. So um, I think generally speaking, you should be investing where you have control because the more control you have, the higher potential for reward. And that's what early financial freedom is. It's taking calculated risks for higher rewards, right? So you should be doing things like starting a business. Um, and, you know, that can be in anything. Uh, investment business, investing is a type of business, right? Or you could start a clothing business or, uh, you know, any type of business that you see fit. If you have an idea, take, try it. Just try it. You never know what's going to happen. Just, if you have an the average person gets four ideas a year, any one of which would make you financially free if you had the courage to take advantage of them. Seriously. So, or, you know, you should even, you could even be investing in a friend's business for equity. That's something you could be doing. I know that's one investment strategy I'm taking advantage of. Uh, not, it's not, it's not for equity, but it's, you know, another form of passive income. I'm investing in a few, you know, thousand in a friend's business next year. So that's something that I'm going to be uh, excited to do. So, you know, these are the kind of things you should be thinking of. <clears throat> And, and and trying to take advantage of, especially while you're young. Mm -hmm. Honestly, just a bit like a takeaway from this whole thing. Even if you invest and you lose all your money, like and pretty much you fall flat on your face, and like I don't know, like say you were investing at age 20, 25 or whatever, you fall flat, flat on your face, flat broke. Guess what? The worst thing is go get a job and continue on moving forward like bro by age 30 you're not even gonna remember that age 25 when you feel flat on your face just start over man like this is the time to take the risk because you don't have all the obligations i mean not for, I mean, for everybody they may have more obligations than others but i guess for especially like people like me and alex where we don't really have like families that we already started building everything this is the best time to try to like take advantage of every opportunity to build businesses to invest to do whatever it may like to try to propel yourself forward because this is you're not gonna get this time back we can start over from the very from like zero dollars and still uh, build our way back up to early financial freedom and still be on good pace to get there um by the goals that we set for ourselves 28 32 whatever it may be because we know for one we have the education part in order to know how to get there and we have the ambition and the drive to go execute what we, what we set out to do and that's, that's why i just say take action anyway because 
I mean, you never know what, what may happen at the end of the day. So big takeaway, uh, it's riskier not to invest than it, than it is to, uh, it's riskier to not invest than it is to just uh, stay, stay stagnant and do nothing. And that's just really what I want to close up with. So I don't know if you got anything else, bro. That's it. That's it for this episode of the Money Monopolizers podcast. New episodes will be released every Thursday and will be available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Just search Money Monopolizers and we'll be listening to podcast. We hope you learned something of value today. If you did, we'd appreciate it if you rated us and left us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also find out more info about us on Twitter at the Monopolizers or on Instagram at Money Monopolizers. We post informative content on there that'll keep you engaged. So check that out and share those posts. But until then, we out of here. You've been listening to the Money Monopolizers podcast, helping you take control of your financial destiny. To learn more about how you can be in control of your money, visit moneymonopolizers.com. We'll catch you next time when Alex and Marlon share more personal finance and wealth creation tips with you. Now it's time to take action.